I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then the light from heaven filled my soul. He wrote star in the dark, he wrote my name above, and just a thought with Jesus made me whole. Let us have a little talk with Jesus, tell him all about our troubles, he will hear our faith. He will answer by and by So when you feel a prayer returning Then you'll know a little fire is burning You'll find a little talk with Jesus makes it right Well, sometimes clear without a ray of cheer And then a little doubt may hide the light of day The mist of sin may rise and hide the starry skies, but just a little talk with Jesus clears the way. Let us have a talk with Jesus, let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry, he will answer. When you feel very dirty, you'll know a little fire is burning. Have a little talk with Jesus, makes it right. Well, I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears, but Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. Let's just go to Him in prayer, He knows my every care, and just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus, let us tell Him all about our troubles, He will hear our faith. He will answer by and by When you feel a prayer will turning Then you'll know a fire is burning And you'll find a little talk with Jesus makes it right Now let us have a little talk with Jesus Tell Him all about our troubles He will hear our faintest cries He will answer by and by We'll find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now listen to this. Well, sometimes I remember how I used to be living in sin. I tried to act happy and free. I wasn't within. I fooled a lot of friends of mine. They thought I had peace of mind. But I never was until I opened up and let Jesus in. Well, Jesus got a hold of my life, and He won't let me go. Jesus got a hold of my heart, and He got into my soul. I used to be oh so sad, but now I'm just free and glad that Jesus got a hold of my life, and He won't let me go. Well, aren't you just a little bit tired of fooling around? You try to act happy and laugh, but you're not gaining ground. Why not try the Lord today? Just invite Him in your heart to stay. And you'll find out He's the best friend you ever had. Well, Jesus got a hold of my life, and He won't let me go. Jesus got into my heart, He got into my soul. I you're so sad, but now I'm just free and glad. Jesus 
got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. One more time. Well, Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. Yes, Jesus got into my heart, he got into my soul. I used to be oh so sad, but now I'm just free and glad. That Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. It's so good to be here with you. God bless you. What a beautiful Sunday morning to be here. It's good to see everyone's faces. And um, let's just turn around and greet one another in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's so good to be here with all of our neighbors, all of our friends this morning. I'd love to see each one of you. That hand you just shook is a changing hand. It may reach out today and draw back tomorrow, but uh, I know a hand that's not changing. Amen. Let's uh, let's sing a little bit of a hold to God's unchanging hand. I just hold to God's unchanging hand. Let's just hold to God's unchanging hand. Be my hope so Let's just hold to God's unchanging hand. Let's just hold to God's unchanging hand and build your hopes on things eternal. Well, hold, hold, hold to God's unchanging hand. Let's trust in Him. We'll trust. In Him who will not leave you. Whatsoever years may bring. And if by earthly friends forsaken, still more closely to Him cling. I just hold. Let's hold to God's unchanging hold. 
unchanging hand. Oh, God's unchanging hand. And build your hopes on things eternal. Oh, to God's unchanging hand. And when your journey been true and brighter moment glory your enraptured soul will be but you've got to hold to God's unchanging hand well hold to God's unchanging hand He's an old time God. Amen. He's an old time God. Yes, he is. Amen. He's an old time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an old time God. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's an old time God. Yes, he is. And he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an old time God. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Amen. He's an old time God. You can uh, have your seats for just a moment here. We're gonna, I've got some announcements, and I know that Brother Barry has some more as well. We have a lot of visitors today, and a lot that are out. We'd like to meet, uh, uh, sort of um, <clears throat> go to the Lord with these. And uh, Brother Noah, why don't you plan to come up in just a moment and pray over these requests. Haley and Lucas are out this morning. Keep them in your prayers. I believe Lucas is sick. Uh, Danny and Caitlin Florian, not here with us this morning. Uh, being mindful uh, also of Peter Coffey and family. Um, suffering with some illness this morning as well. The Irishes are on vacation. Brother Keith is trucking out west. Keep him in your prayers. It's, uh, when you're in the driver's seat all day long, it's, um, you got to stay focused. It's, a, it's a hard on the body, so keep him in your, in your minds. The Paschals are at work this morning. Keep them in your thought as well. Sister Cindy Walters is uh, is in Alabama, and keep her in mind as well. Her uh, very special dog is, uh, is is sick, so God cares about the animals too. Amen. Uh, Brother Tim Ashong is sick, um, and uh, Brother Aaron and family um, <clears throat> overseas. I understand he's preaching up a storm. And so, please, uh, please be with him in spirit as well. Uh, we also ask continued prayer for Sister Solace in D.C. 
that many of you have been following her, uh, the story of her uh, condition as well. And uh, Brother Burley Williams uh, got himself in the eye with a uh, nail gun. Really a, <clears throat> a traumatic looking injury. So keep him in your prayers as well. Brother Noah, would you come up and um, just take these needs to the Lord in prayer this morning as we begin to uh, turn our eyes to you to meet our every need. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you for all you've done for us. We ask that you just remember everybody that's sick and afflicted, that you would just put your hand on them and just touch them, to let them just be wiped of that sickness, Lord. Lord, the people that are away and can't be with us, we, we miss them while, while they're not with us, Lord. We ask that you would just be with them in their travels and their journeys. Help bring them back safely to, to the congregation, Lord. Um, we pray that you just uh, anoint the pastor as he brings the word. Just let it be, be uh, just let it just touch our heart and speak to us personally, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Sister Becky, let's raise that up a little bit. It's a little low for me, I think. Now let's get up one more, maybe um, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. Amen. It goes beyond the high. Thank you, Jesus, and reaches to the lowest hell. The God above 
would drink the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the Stand and sing the chorus together. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how Good to see the homes is back there, Brother Nathaniel and Susanna. God bless you. Nathaniel was there on the, um, I think, the morning I was baptized. And so uh, we go quite a ways back. Amen. And so many visitors this morning. I know Brother Barry will call some of your names. It's good to see you all with us. Uh, Brother Tom, could you lead us in prayer? Amen. Let's sing that chorus one more time. A love of God. Well, Brother Jerry comes forward for a special this morning. Oh, love of God. How rich and How that I sing this morning, so a little unprepared, but amen, sometimes that's when the best things happen, amen, being spontaneous with the Lord, amen. Pray for me, just a little nervous, <clears throat> a little song I've had on my heart, um, I've never actually tried to sing it here, but I think you all know it, so I think it will go well. Let's try that song, uh, Healing is Here, uh, we'll try it in the key of C. Amen. As we sing this song, let's just enter into a mode of worship. If you'd like to sing along, you're welcome to. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
I lift my hands. So I reach my hand to the heaven. I lift my hand where my help comes from. I look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you. is here freedom is here freedom is here oh and I receive it freedom So I reach my hands to the heaven. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you again now. I reach my hand to the heaven. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. And I look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you. Jesus is here. And Jesus. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. All together. Oh, and I believe it. Jesus is here. Hallelujah. Jesus is here. Oh, Jesus. Jesus is here. Oh, and I receive it. Now I lift my hands. Why don't you stand and sing it? So I lift my hand oh, to the heaven. And I lift my eyes where my hell comes from. And I look to my rock, my healer, I look to you. Again now, I reach my hands. So I reach my hands to the heaven. And I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I trust in you. 
that again I reach my hands so I reach my hands to the heaven my help comes from I look to you my I trust Thank you, Brother Jerry. He is here, amen, bringing us so many blessings. Let's do a little number here while you're standing up. This is um, number 2911 in the songbook, Key of D. It says, Our God is good to give us so many blessings. And the little country church I came from said, Ain't God good to give us so many blessings, so I'm going to have to modify a little bit. Amen. Clap your hands and uh, let's, let's just get in the spirit of worship this morning. Well, ain't God good to give us so many blessings undeserving. That's what we are. We ought to thank Him. Just up and praise Him a little more today and a whole lot more tomorrow. Well, ain't God good just to give us so many blessings. That's what we are. We all thank Him. Just up and praise Him a little more today and a whole lot more tomorrow. And God is good. Well, all the time, He put the song of praise in this heart of mine. It is good. All the time, but this darkest night is light will shine. God is good, He's so good all the time. Now, if you're walking through the valley and the shadows are not fear for he will guide you he has brought you safe and sound he has promised to never leave you nor forsake you and his word is good God is good Amen. all the time but the song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good. He's so good all the time. God is good
for church we ought to be you know what we ought to have an expectation coming to church and just looking to God to speak to us and trusting that God will visit us today we have many needs among us but you know God is God is well able and uh, I, I think it's just a wonderful privilege that we have to be able to come and worship him together in spirit and in truth sing one more time with me Falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever In his arms, I feel protected. In his arms, never did. In his arms, I feel protected. No place I'd ever bother me. Falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to come into your house, Lord, to be able to sing your praises and join together with the people of God and bring these needs before us today, Lord. And there are many that are already mentioned, Lord, among us today. Have your way, we pray. Father, may you be honored and welcomed in our praises today, Lord, that you would just be able to come and freely move among us, Lord. 
Speak to our hearts, we pray. How we need you, Lord, in this hour and how we depend upon you. Father, the cares of this life, they seem to be lifted from us. Our load is a little lighter when we come into your presence, Lord, and that's the way it should be. Father, forgive us of anything that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, look at us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Have your way, we pray. Breathe upon your word and make it live to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Shake somebody's hand. Say, God bless you, pilgrim. Welcome to the house of the Lord. And you can be seated uh, this morning. Amen. You can be seated, musicians. Thank you. God bless you. It's certainly good to be in the house of the Lord today, and uh, we are honored to have all of you here today. Let me take a minute just to do a few announcements here and a few welcomes for special people that are uh, here today, and uh, we want to welcome the Mabes uh, here today. God bless you. We're praying for your mom, and uh, good to have you here today. Good to have Julian here uh, with us today, and uh, good to have Brother Joe Drum with us today. Brother Joe has got a good report from the doctor, and uh, got some immune cells that are wanting to attack good cells in his body, but they're straightening all of that out and working together uh, to uh, get that flushed out of his system. But Joe, we're glad to have the good report, and glad to have you with us today. Right next to them is Sister April Grant. Sister April, it is an honor to have you with us today again, and uh, we welcome you, and uh, we're looking forward to our presentation tonight uh, on Ukraine at 4 o'clock for everybody who is uh, able to be here, and even if you're not, come anyway. It'll be wonderful. We have some uh, uh, interesting presentations that we're going to do tonight uh, by Sister April, who is a surgeon with Samaritan's Purse over in Ukraine and served there. Probably going to go back. If they unlock the door, she's going to be back in. And uh, it's great to have uh, Brother Sergei Luzanov here today. And uh, they are here from uh, Columbus. Brother Sergei uh, grew up in Donetsk, right? Uh, lived in Donetsk, uh, close, and uh, has been a key person in helping to get relief to all of the believers in that part of the world. So he's going to speak tonight as well. And we're going to try to coordinate uh, a video connection as well. Uh, over in Ukraine. So we're looking forward to that tonight. Um, Good to have uh, the Parks uh, here with us tonight, today as well. I saw them. Here they are. God bless you. Good to have you. are losing visitor status, you know that. Uh, But it's great to have you today. And uh, good to have the Johnson family. And I mentioned we were going to officially welcome the Johnson family this uh, Sunday. So this is Brother Joshua Johnson. Brother Joshua, if you put your hand up there and uh, all the way from Beaumont, Texas, and uh, they moved out here to Hickory to be with us. And his wife, Sierra, is she here? She's in the back. Sierra is Sister Pew's full sister, right? And uh, that's the connection. And so we're, we're just delighted to have them here. They have four children with them and one on the runway, uh, Jude, Caroline, Eli, and Theodore, Right? God bless you folks, and welcome uh, to all of you here uh, today. We are honored to have you with us, uh, that's for sure. Um, Sister Sarah Vasaki is not here today. It's her birthday today, and she's not here today. She's uh, with her her family uh, out in Tennessee. And the Jacksons are also not here today. They are uh, helping Sister Caroline get moved in over in Raleigh. 
so they are not uh, with us today. Good to have the Holmes uh, here today. Brother John's already welcomed them. Glad to have them with us uh, today. And uh, also, too, I wanted to mention that uh, I didn't uh, tell Brother John this morning, but uh, Brother and Sister Smith, Richard Smith and Mary, we want to remember them in prayer. Uh, They've been going through a difficult time, but uh, God is good, and uh, we certainly do miss them. I had uh, the privilege this week to have... uh, dinner with uh, Brother Aaron McGarry and Sister Elizabeth, and they asked me specifically to convey their greetings uh, onto the church, and I said, I sure will do that. Uh, We are, as I said tonight, at uh, 4 o'clock, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a a special, this is going to be our evening service for uh, this Sunday, and uh, next Sunday, Brother Craig Boer is going to be here, we're going to have our service on uh, Saturday evening. Uh, with our young people, and that's going to be a, a, an informal gathering with them at 5.30, and uh, we'll have two services on Sunday as well. But today, uh, we'll have a little special time uh, starting at 4 o'clock, and we're going to be broadcasting that. I had a phone call yesterday from uh, a, a number in Fayetteville, uh, North Carolina, and I don't know anybody in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And here it was a church over there, a non-denominational church, uh, that heard that we were doing uh, extensive work in the country of Ukraine. And they heard it through other believers that are here in North Carolina and and were friends with them and uh, got connected. And they said, we've been looking for an outlet to help give funds to help people in Ukraine. And would you do that for us? Would you convey the funds? And I said, boy, we sure would be honored to do that. And uh, I told them, I said, you tune in and and, uh, be watching tomorrow afternoon. They've been listening and listening to our reports and uh, the things that are going on over there. So it, to me, it's just, just uh, the hand of the Lord that, you know, we're able to do what we can. And we just wanted to bring you up to date as to how things are uh, today and what it's really like there and uh, give you that uh, insight uh, today. So we trust it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, August 7th was Sister Keisha's uh, birthday, right? God bless you. Sorry, we have to do it. Uh, and Sister Tracy Raven, also on August 7th, right? Sister Tracy, good to have you here today. August 8th is Ethan and Anna's uh, anniversary. How many years? Seven years. God bless you both. Had to think about it. August 9th is Brother Andy Irish's birthday. They're away today, and uh, we uh, certainly miss them. August 10th is John and Jennifer's anniversary. How many years? 26. 26 years. Wonderful. Sister Jennifer, good to have you here today. August 12th is uh, Dennis and Sue Shepherd's anniversary uh, today. Do you know how many years, Mitchell? It's a lot of years. It's a lot of years. And uh, we appreciate the Shepherds. That's sister, that's brother uh, Mitchell's uh, grandparents live over in uh, Virginia and uh, good old Virginia stock. And uh, we uh, wish them all the best. August 13th is Anthony Clavel's birthday. Anthony, how old are you? Yesterday, right? How old? Seven. Seven years old. God bless you. And today is Sister Sarah Vasaki's birthday. And then August 17th is Ella Kate Jackson and Keith and Sarah Buchanan. Their anniversary as well, right? You don't know how many years, right? What? It's what? The 18th? The 18th? Ah, okay. All right. To get an extra day. Uh, 
So tonight, this is our agenda here. Tonight is the service uh, for well, uh, our special evening service at four. Snack following uh, the service, so we'll be able to fellowship a little bit. You'll be able to get to uh, talk a little bit with uh, Brother Sergey and Sister April. Uh, we're going to have questions and answers if we have time uh, this afternoon, but we'll be able to mingle a little bit uh, as well. Next weekend, this is Brother Craig Boer. Uh, we have some churches that are sending their young people to our uh, Saturday night fellowship. That will be at 5.30 to 9.30, and then 11 and 4 next Sunday afternoon. We will not be having a dinner uh, during that time because the time is too tight between the two. Uh, August 27th, my wife and I will be leaving for Belgium for meetings over there. Brother Dennis uh, uh, McBride will be here on Sunday, and then, of course, the men's meeting on September 23rd. Brother Anwar sent me a couple of pictures. They have uh, done the demonology series, and uh, Brother Anwar single-handedly translates all of this material, uh, getting it all put out uh, to the uh, believers in Pakistan. It's all printed inside Pakistan so that we don't have to deal with trying to get it through customs in a Muslim country. And uh, let me tell you, those believers are just, uh, they're, they're just blessed to be able to have this new material now uh, in their own language of Urdu. Uh, the picture over here is uh, one of the brothers, Brother Masi, over on, on your right-hand side. And then on the left is Brother Anwar's brother, Akhtar. And he was the one who was injured several months ago and had to have surgery. Uh, he was laid up for a while, but he's doing very well, and uh, he's kind of a key person over there, works very closely with Anwar in Pakistan. Brother Anwar is in, in New York, and they coordinate uh, all of this activity over there. Now, you remember Brother Davy Mwanza, who was uh, a, a lead translator in Zambia, and uh, they've been giving out uh, books and material, new Bibles and things for the believers over there. And uh, this uh, past week, he went off on a journey to an area that he had never been before. It was a really remote area of Zambia. And Zambia is a huge country and got lots and lots of believers spread out all through there. When the people uh, got the books and Bibles there, they just broke out in the song and they were so happy uh, with that. We got sound here. We can, uh, we can play this if you don't mind. And this is a place called Labushi in the northern province there. And uh, they uh, brought all kinds of this stuff that's been translated and printed for them, and they got all excited when, uh, when Brother Davy showed up there and gave out their material. I'd love to get all. <clears throat> Brother Tim, that'd make you homesick, wouldn't it? I'd love to get all those believers to come on over and, uh, and visit with us and worship. You know, I, but I mean, that's what it's going to be like, folks, when you get over on the other side. And you think of all those people, uh, you know, sing and dance and rejoice like that. Uh, when we get over on the other side, it'll be wonderful over there. Let's stand to our feet. Let's take our Bibles, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the subject of worship again. 
today, and uh, I trust this will be a blessing to you. We're going to talk specifically about the word anointing. We're going to deal with that this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I'd like you to read that uh, one with me here in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And the first uh, scripture I have there is in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, which is when Samuel goes to Jesse's house uh, in search of a king. And uh, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when they were come, the sons of Jesse came, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. That's what he thought. Hey, this guy's got to be the king. He's got to be the anointed one. And uh, God rebuked Samuel right on the spot and said, Hey, you look at men differently than I do. I look at their heart. And, uh, of course, then David came in on the scene. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, <clears throat> let's begin at verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Now, he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath redeemed us, sorry, hath anointed us, is God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. He which establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. However, moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. Now let me jump right in. We've talked about this subject of worship here, and I want to, uh, uh, there's uh, a lot to, a lot of ground to cover. But I wanted to deal with this uh, word anointing because a lot of times we actually misuse this word innocently, but we misuse this word. And so I began to study it and uh, look at it, and I was uh, uh, just uh, letting that word kind of find itself through the scripture for me, and we're looking at the pattern. And uh, it really uh, taught me a lot about this word anointing and what it means. So let me just do a little refreshing, and I'll bring you up to speed here today. Brother Branham says in the message Paradox in 1963, he says, Jim, uh, I want you to be sure and get that for me. Get a, a song special that was sung. And if you do have a little tape, put it on there for me, special, so my children uh, want to hear it. And when I kind of get down and a little low, I hear that it makes me feel good to hear good singing. And Billy, I go in my office down there, which generally was a trailer, a little uh, small trailer in the backyard of Brother Branham's house. I go down in the office down there, and he has constantly got them tapes of singing going all the time. I think it kind of helps him. You know, there's something about song that's got power in it. How many can say amen? We all know that. We are aware of that. Look at the army when they sing the songs and play the music. Do you know the approach to war in, God, in the army of God is first by music? That's uh, so what we've been titling this, the approach to war in the army of God. Uh, and Brother Branham says that when you study that and you're aware of that, he says they sent musicians first into the battle. And uh, the singers went before the ark, rejoicing and singing. And then came the ark and then the battle. So that's right. He said that's the right approach. So we should have, as a part of our worship and a part of our warfare, part of our walk in the Christian life, we should include music for sure. 
But we have to obviously include the right kind. We want to make sure we're, we're worshiping God the right way. Because it's not just music. There are all kinds of music in the world, right? We just want to be sure that we're singing the right stuff. And we're worshiping God in the right way. Because obviously this was the way that God uh, approved of fighting battles, was to order it this way. And God's a God of order. And uh, he delights in the praises of his people. Now, Brother Branham says, uh, in earnestly contending for the faith, he says then after he, Cain, got his sacrifice and his altar, his church and everything ready, beautiful, probably a lot more beautiful than Abel's was, because Abel's really uh, altar was really just a rock. Uh, but God doesn't dwell in beauty that's made by hands. The beauty of holiness is where God dwells in. The beauty of holiness is where God dwells in, where the power of the Holy Spirit. He said that's where the beauty of holiness is. And so therefore, God is not pushing us. He's not uh, demanding of us that we make a beautiful church and a more beautiful church and a more beautiful church all the time because I'm only happy when I'm in the most beautiful thing you can produce. That's not what God requires. That's not what God wants. As a matter of fact, I would say that uh, God wants you to worship because you have a story from your heart to tell about how great God is and how much you love Him and how much you uh, desire to be with Him. That that is your passion. That's your, that's your story. That's my testimony. I just want to sing the praises of God because God is worth praising. How many would agree? I just want to sing from my heart. I believe that, uh, let me say this this morning, I believe that singing should never be marketing. I believe that it is not performance. I believe it should always be worship, not performance. And as a matter of fact, the more perfect you try to be, the less perfect you actually are. I believe that God loves it when we just sing from the heart. And I believe when we sing for, with sincerity, uh, that's what God is really after. And uh, that seems to be what God blesses. And Brother Jerem was up this morning apologizing for being on the spur of the moment, uh, but yet sing something so wonderful and so beautiful and everybody gets into it. Uh, let me tell you, uh, we should never apologize for the simplicity or the spontaneity of real worship in the presence of God. Because that's what he loves. And that's what... Uh, that's what he delights in. And I believe that's why we're here today. Now, uh, we find also a, a, an interesting scripture in Psalm 84. And uh, I was thinking about this this morning, and I looked it up as I was coming. And, and David writes this way. I, I looked in my Bible when I got here. I left my Bible here from Wednesday. Uh, and I don't like to always travel with it because it gets so beat up when I travel with it. And I, this is a Bible that I really love, this one here. And I had it restored. I had it re-sewn because I love it so much. So I don't, I don't uh, bring it with me everywhere I go. If I go overseas, I generally do. But uh, anyway, you don't, probably don't need to know that. But I just thought I'd throw it in because, um, because I did. Now... Uh, when I looked in the Bible this morning, that's what I was saying, when I looked in the Bible this morning, I had no underlines on this. I had no markings on this. And I usually mark everything. I read with a pen. And I usually mark up everything. And I had no marks on, on this particular psalm because I never really caught it before uh, this morning. And David writes, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Think about what he's saying now. 
David says, I just, I just love to be in the presence of God. And he said, when I'm away, my soul longs for that. Even my heart and my flesh, my actual flesh, my body loves to be in the presence of God. I mean, there's just something good about being in the presence of God. It's not just, it's not just a peace inside, but there's something outside that, that is good when you're in the presence of God. Isn't that right? Uh, you know, you, you have a freedom, you have a liberty, you have a peace that you don't really get anywhere else uh, when you're in the presence of God. And David is saying that, uh, you know, how amiable this is, how much I love this, and how much I just delight to be in, in your presence here. He says, yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Uh, birds laying eggs in church. Now, we have a thing about eggs in church, right? You know, Easter. I've said enough about, you know, eggs and Easter. But this is what David is saying, that the sparrow has found a house. The sparrow has actually found a, a house. In other words, uh, in, in the presence of God... There is fruitfulness. In the presence of God, there is bounty there. There is, uh, there is uh, the blessing of, uh, you know, uh, offspring. And there's good things that come from the presence of God. And even, he says, the sparrows that normally would have to go find a nest somewhere else, even they are blessed and delight in the, in the house of God, in the presence of God, that she may lay her young, even on thine altars. In other words, everything is blessed in the presence of God. When, when, we, when we create an atmosphere into which the presence of God uh, comes, let me tell you, we should have it in our minds and in our hearts that there's nothing impossible with God. That God is able to do anything in that presence. He's able to do it if it's just you in the room. But let me tell you, if all of us believers get together and we're pulling the same way and believing the same thing and worshiping the same God, we should not limit God as to what we think God can do or can't do. He, let me tell you, it's unlimited as to what God can do. He can do exceedingly above and beyond all that you would ask or think. And God is only limited by your asking. You ought to be asking God this morning and thinking big and thinking things that, uh, you know, that, that you want to thrust in, in, in before God's throne this morning and ask Him those things and don't hold back, but ask Him for those things that, uh, that you have need of today. He's a healer today the same as He ever was. He's a deliverer. Everything He ever was, He still is today. And, and uh, David is saying that, uh, you know, he said there's just something about a believer. He longs to be in God's presence and good things happen in the presence of God. And blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They shall still be praising thee. I had to look it up in the Jewish Bible and it says how deeply beloved are the dwelling places at an eye. He says, my soul yearns, yes, faints with longing for the courtyards of Adonai. My heart, my body cry for the joy of the living to the living God. And as the sparrow finds herself a home and the swallow her nest where she lays her young, so my resting place is it by your altars, Adonai, my King and my God. How happy are those who live in your house. They never cease to praise you. Aren't you glad you've been called to live in his house? Living in his house is not just uh, coming here Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Living in his house means that uh, we live in his presence all the time. We, we walk in his presence. We enjoy his presence. We rejoice in his presence continually. And it's not just one particular day of the week. Now, Brother Branham, uh, he says, um, 
he says here in uh, five definite identifications, he said, now, you say, Brother Branham, I, I believe, but I, I've never received the Holy Ghost. He says, no, you don't believe yet. You're just believing unto belief. You have hope. You don't know nothing about it until you've received the Holy Ghost. You can know about God. You can know that there is a God. You can read his Bible. But let me tell you, you don't have an intimate relationship with Christ. You don't have a union with him until you're born again. How many believe that? But when he's come into you by the Holy Ghost, he's your Lord. And no man can call Jesus the Lord only by the Holy Ghost until you are born to the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost is in you. A lot of it is just head knowledge. A lot of it is just hope. Not that that's a bad thing, but that's not the same as somebody who's truly born again and has a relationship with God. That's that's a different thing. And so in talking about this a whole subject of worship, we talked about altar calls as an example here and how Brother Branham uh, described that, how Brother Branham used the altar as a means for a person to find a place of repentance. Brother Branham said that that was a good thing. Uh, but he gave us a real balance on that. He was not, Brother Branham was not uh, forced to uh, comply to other people's expectations about a service. Uh, there were many, many times, as I said uh, before, that Brother Branham had his uh, platform surrounded by beds and wheelchairs and people who were dying and so forth. Many, many times they could not have an altar call because of the physical circumstances there. And Brother Branham went right on and he said, you can, you can come to an altar right there in your heart. He says, right where you're sitting. And so he was not always bound by the dictates of, uh, you know, the, the prevailing idea about altar calls. He, he didn't let that hinder him at all. And there was times when he did not have an altar call and was not ashamed of that. There were times where Brother Bannon would interrupt the prayer line and have an altar call. Uh, it was just amazing how that he had a wonderful balance in that uh, whole idea. And I believe that uh, it is a good thing for people to have a place to pour out their heart before God and to cast their cares upon God. I believe it's a good thing for people to have uh, a place of repentance. And to be able to kneel at an altar and ask God to forgive them for things. I, I, I've done that. I hope you have done that. Uh, if you've been at an altar call or in a prayer line or something in a meeting, a hymn, let me tell you, there's not a thing in the world that's wrong with that. Uh, that's all part of our worship. Isn't that right? But I believe that no matter what we do, it should not be because of tradition. It should not be because, well, that's what everybody else does. And we should not be doing it because somehow we feel obligated to do it. I believe that it should be from the heart. I believe that in conventions, I don't think that uh, it's necessary that we always have a prayer line on Saturday night. Hey, what's wrong with a Friday night prayer line? Do you believe that God heals on a Friday? Do you believe that God heals on a Thursday? Listen, I believe that God can even heal on a Monday night. Absolutely. Now, Brother Manham says we have altar calls and bring people up around the altar. That's a good tradition of the church. Uh, but in the Bible time, it says, as many as believed. So Brother Man is not against that. He's not, certainly not against that. But he's helping us to understand the, the bigger picture. He says they just accepted him wherever he was. He, he said they had no altar calls, Bible times. He said that first originated in the Methodist church, around the early Methodist church coming to the altar. He said it's a good thing, and we should never let it go. He said, keep it up, and I think it's a good thing. Come out there and pour your heart out before God. That's the way to do it. But, but, that isn't what saves you. You could come to an altar every service, and it wouldn't make you more saved than if you sat in your pew, right? 
Because the altar doesn't save you. How many understand that? The altar itself doesn't save you. The altar didn't bleed and die for you. The altar has no redeeming value in terms of uh, paying the price for your sin. Absolutely not. So I, I, I began to work on this. And then I, I, I thought, well, uh, here's a statement Brother Man made in the COD book. And he said, now there's not on earth, he said, there's not a church on earth could live any more pure than the Nazarenes in their teachings. Pilgrim holiness, those folks. He said, absolutely believe in the purity of sanctification, not even the women wearing rings, wedding rings. And the holiness organizations, all the legalists, he said, that's their teaching. They believe it. Men ain't even supposed to roll their sleeves up. And he says, but that same Nazarene church, that same Nazarene church, now here's a prophet now looking at this whole system here. And he says, but that same Nazarene church, if a man would speak in tongues in the church, He'd be shot out the door. And that's only the next little step after, uh, you know, John Wesley and, and the restoration of the gifts, right? And if they manifested some supernatural uh, gift there in their midst, he said, be shot out the door. And they said, they wouldn't even sit with one. If you don't believe that, try it once and find out. He said, they hate the very thoughts of it. And they said, it's the devil. Imagine now, a people who can practice in the first paragraph, all of that holiness there, be that strict. But yet when it comes to the furtherance of the word, when it comes to the further intercourse of the word that Christ wanted to give the church, hey, they're calling that the devil. So we have a problem, isn't it? We have a problem, don't we? I mean, I remember being up uh, years ago when I lived in Ohio, and we would go over to Tuscarawas County and uh, places like that, and you go over to Amish country and be there with the uh, people there, and, uh, you know, you try to take their uh, picture, try to take a photograph with them, and, uh, hey, no way, buddy, ain't no way. Uh, you can be standing right next to them, and they'll turn away like this, and they won't let you take your picture because of uh, Scripture in Deuteronomy, talking about graven images. That's why they do that. And uh, so I got to talking to one guy one time. He was a uh, he was a worker up there, and my wife was in somewhere getting uh, getting Amish ice cream, I think. And I was out in the parking lot, and I was just chatting with this guy, and we were talking about their faith. You know, I, I, I knew a little bit about John Almond and how this all began. And uh, he was he was telling me that uh, you know there's absolutely nothing beyond what John Almond brought in the 1500s, 1600s, nothing more. And didn't want to hear anything about it. And I said, but you know, like, are you familiar with Martin Luther, for instance, and his teachings? And then uh, the teachings of Wycliffe and Zwingli and uh, Fox and, and then up to John Wesley and, and, and those. He said, no. He said, we stop at John Almond right there. They still have their services in high German and uh, have their prayer books in German. They still have all of that. And he, I, no matter what I tried to tell him, no matter how I tried to introduce him, hey, not anything about Brother Branham or, the, you know, the seals being open. Not anything at all. I was just trying to get to Martin Luther. I mean, uh, let's just start there. Absolutely no way. No way. Now, listen, it, it's a commendable thing to live pure and holy. It's, that's, I mean, God's not going to condemn you for that. But you have to understand, that doesn't save you. Right? Dressing right doesn't save you. And, and so Brother Branham was, to me, it's great that we can have references like this because he helps us to understand uh, how this all fits and, and, and what this all actually means. 
And so then I, I, I wanted to bring you this statement here because it helps us make sense here. He said, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. Works show that you have been saved. But what saves you is the grace of God. Grace is what God does for you. Works is what you do to show appreciation for what God did for you. And some people think, well, because I go to church and put my name on the book, that's all I have to do. But he said, some people think because I shout. And others think because I speak with tongues. And some think because I got all power to heal the sick, that's all I have to do. And he said, it's not. It's not. You know what? I believe these signs follow them that believe. I believe that people who are saved are going to express their faith in certain ways and they're going to uh, be allowed to have the gifts operating in their, uh, in their system and in their, in their midst there. But, but that's not what saves them. That comes as a result of them being saved. Are we, are we okay? It's the grace of God that saves you. God's amazing grace. How many are thankful for God's amazing grace? It's the blood of Jesus Christ that atoned for you and atoned for your sins. And that's what removes your sins as far as the east is from the west. That's what God, when he looks at that and sees you, he looks at at you through the blood of Christ. He doesn't see your sin. He only sees white because red on red, it, it turns white. And in the eyes of God, that's what he actually, that's the way God set it up. You might remember, but God does not. Like I said to you before, when, when Jesus, when we all get over on the other side and Jesus runs into the woman at the well and she says to him, remember me, I'm the woman at the well. Oh yeah, I remember you sister. Yeah, I'm the woman that had four husbands and the one I was living with. Sorry. I know you, but I don't know anything about your husbands here. Oh yeah, you're the one that said you, the, the, you've had four husbands and the one you're living with now is not really your husband. And I couldn't come out to the well because I was uh, considered a reproach in the community and uh, all these marriages and so forth. And my, my life, Jesus, hey, you I know, your past I don't. Why? Because it's gone. In the eyes of God, that's the way he sets it up. She remembers, but he does not. You may remember your past, but God does not. If it's under the blood of Christ, it's gone. Say it with me. It's gone. Thank God it's gone. And that's the amazing grace of Almighty God. So, worship is an important thing to God. I didn't realize how important it was until I saw how much scripture is actually devoted to this whole subject here. But in Exodus chapter 34, this is right out of Egypt. Okay, they're still probably, they're still probably, uh, you know, um, carrying stuff that they brought out of Egypt here. Exodus 32 is when Moses goes up in the mountain and gets the ten tablets, uh, ten uh, commandments on the tablets here. So this is, this is fresh in the journey. And God tells them this right up front. He says, behold, I make a covenant before all people. I will do marvels, such as have not been done in the earth, nor in any nation. And all people among which thou art shall see the work of God, for it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. In other words, God has done great things to get them out. But he says, you wait and watch what I will do. He says, the whole world's going to know your God. And he says, observe that which I command thee this day. And behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Jebusite. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, lest it be a snare in the midst of thee. 
God's telling the children of Israel now, you, uh, you're going to be moving into this land. I'm going to go ahead of you and destroy much of this because I know the nature of man and I know things can happen in there that will really be a snare for you right in the midst of, of these people. So I'm going to go ahead and take care of certain things there in the land. But ye shall, I'm going to take care of certain things, but this is what ye shall do. Folks, don't, don't let this be lost on, on a bunch of Old Testament Jews here. What, what God is telling us is that when you come in, when you begin to follow me and you begin to walk with me, there are certain things I'm going to take care of, and you won't have to worry about it at all. You won't have to defeat those enemies. There are certain things I'm going to do. But there are some things I want you to do. And here's what he said. Behold, he says, but ye shall destroy their altars and break their images and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god for the Lord... Uh, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. I want you to make sure that you destroy out of your life all of the sports heroes. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. All of the musician, all the music heroes. You should destroy all of the movie actors. and You should destroy all those things that you can easily get caught up with. All those idols that are out there. Job idols. People, idols, entertainment, idols, right? There's all kinds of idols out there. It wouldn't be hard for you to begin to identify some of the idols in your life. Thou shalt worship no other God. Because God says, I want your heart first. It's okay to like other things, but I want your heart first. Because I am a jealous God. And I, I, uh, I want you to know that right from the very beginning. Lest I make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Uh, and they go whoring after their gods. And do sacrifice unto their gods. And one call thee and thou eat of his sacrifice. This is what Daniel remembered when he was in Babylon. Remember? <clears throat> Daniel's remembering this. Said, you know what? I really can't participate in this and fulfill this commandment here. He says, otherwise I'd be considered a whoring after something that God does not approve of. But thou shalt take thy daughters unto thy son, and thou take of their daughters unto thy sons. Here's the warning now. And thou take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go whoring after their gods. The real trap, the real snare, the real potential is that when we begin to integrate and mix this way, it can go bad. It can go south pretty fast. And so therefore, all of a sudden, like when Solomon married all those wives and they wanted to have certain kinds of temples and they wanted to have, you know, high places and they wanted to have the very groves, the very things that are found in verse 13 at the top of the screen here, uh, Solomon's wives began to introduce all of that back. And so if we find ourselves, uh, you know, marrying outside the faith here, we're going to be bringing in people that have a different priority about worship. And so they might introduce different kinds of music. And you know what? It might all sound good. It might give you a, whoo, a tingle, uh, you know, as you're sitting there. But uh, you got to ask the question, is this pleasing to God? I was listening to somebody sing. It was a person who identifies with the message of the hour. and uh, They were singing in such a way to impersonate a well-known singer who's out there in the world. Has a lousy testimony. But singing to duplicate the sound of this particular musician and singer. And you know what? I, I was, I was, as I was listening, I was amazed at how perfectly they impersonated that person. But I was also struck by the lack of anointing with that music. 
Now, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe, I'm, I know I'm over 30. Forgive me. Uh, God figured it out when I should be born, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of old school, and I guess I shouldn't even make apologies for that because that would be kind of silly. Uh, I, would not, I would actually not want to be born uh, in, this, in this latter era, era because somebody would call me a millennial or a Gen Z, and I don't want to be called that. I like calling people that, but I, don't like, I wouldn't want to be called that. I, I have a lot of fun with that, actually. <clears throat> so you got to forgive me if I'm coming at it from my era. But you know what? Uh, God does not want you to be like anybody else. God has never called you to be like anybody else except like Him. God, Listen, God has not even called us to be like Brother Branham. Because Brother Branham was Brother Branham. And God seemed pretty content to make Brother Branham Brother Branham, and He didn't make any others. And I don't think that God wants you to be like some professional singer or some, uh, some uh, uh, guy wearing skinny pants and uh, a funny fuzzy haircut and uh, sing and make millions of dollars and bring it into the church here. I think God would rather that you sang out of your heart, not your haircut. I think that God would rather have you sing, uh, you know, with real sincerity rather than, uh, you know, a, a marketing manager in the audience trying to say, oh, you know, sing this way, smile, dress this way, looks better on camera. Who cares what it looks like on a camera? What you're, what you're striving for is the blessing of God and, and, and the, the ability to be able to bring the presence of God into a congregation like we had this morning and to have that atmosphere among us. Hey, if we don't, if we miss that, we've missed the whole purpose and the whole point of it. We really do. Thou shalt make no molten gods. Molten gods are designed to stick around, right? They're around to be around for a while. They're meant, that's the way they're built. Now, <clears throat> so, Here's the, the point. Some people get the wrong impression of what the anointing is. Do you ever think of that? He says we get the wrong impression of that. So, Brother Branham, now, at the rest of this service here, we're going to talk about what the right impression is. Okay? And he says, did you ever think of that? When was the greatest anointing ever given to anybody? And what, do you, what did they do when they had the anointing? That's a great question. When was the greatest anointing ever given, and what did they do when they had it? He said the greatest anointing that was ever given to anyone was Jesus Christ. Now he said, we had the Spirit by measure, he had it without measure, and one day he entered the temple, and he picked up the scroll, take your Bible this morning, and open it up to Luke chapter 4, and, and read it and said, the Spirit of God is upon me. Yes, for you. Open up your Bible to Luke chapter 4, and let's look at it. Now, here's what he said. Now, if you're, if you're looking at your Bible and finding that and looking at your screen at the same time. The greatest anointing that was ever given to anyone was Jesus Christ when he took the book. And we would think if such an anointing was on him, and here he was with that type of anointing, the full blessing and anointing of the Lord upon him. We'd run, run all over the building and scream and holler. But the Bible said he laid down the scroll and sat down and precious words proceeded from his mouth. That's what he did under the anointing. The anointing is not emotions. The anointing is supreme power in control. Like knowing exactly what and how and that what's here. Wow. You see, Brother Barry, I, I, I'm sorry, but I said amen a little while earlier. You're okay. You're good. 
Brother Branham was not intending by any of these statements here to squelch real worship. Not at all. To me, uh, anything that doesn't have life or emotion or anointing is dead. And you might as well bury those things that are dead. But a lot of times we can make up things. There, there, are, there, are, there are times when uh, things are, um, things are uh, uh, maybe we should just read on. Luke chapter 4. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, <clears throat> you can follow this all the way down through here. And uh, uh, the story uh, is wonderful in terms of just how uh, Jesus reacted and, and the things that he did, being full of the Holy Ghost and so forth. Verse 16, he came to Nazareth. And when he came and when he had, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for the read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now notice the point here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to, he's anointed me to do this. And that's the key to this whole thing. When God anoints, he anoints to do something. He anoints for something. It is not just a random pouring out. Uh, although there are times when we can be in a meeting where the Holy Spirit uh, can pour himself out and bless the people as a group. And I think that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful experience. If you've ever been in it, uh, many times we pray that that would happen again because it is a wonderful thing. But when this particular idea of anointing here, and, and if you look at the definition on the bottom of the screen, it means to consecrate Jesus to the office, the messianic office, and furnishing him with the necessary powers for its administration. So in other words, God anointed him to do what God wanted him to do. Carry it on, and it's doing Christians also with the gifts of the Spirit. So in other words, if the same Spirit that was on Christ is now poured into the church... And the church is gifted with the ability to preach, to minister, to speak in tongues, to interpret, to pray for the sick, right? To do miracles? Come on. Folks, those are gifts of the Spirit that are given to the body. Then therefore, we want to have His anointing to do what God's given us already to do. I don't want to do that under my own power. I'll tell you what. I don't want to, I don't, if you've ever, if you've ever done it, some of you are ministers and, uh, if you've ever preached under your own power, it's a really difficult and hard thing to do. It's a very awkward thing to do because, uh, you're doing something that really the Spirit of God anoints you to do. And when it's just you, then you know what? You're left coming up with something to say and you're left coming up with something to, uh, you know, to make it sound right. I'll tell you what. You may think, well, it looks natural. This is Brother Barry. I will tell you something. It's not Brother Barry. It's the anointing that comes for me to fulfill what God's placed in me for you. That's how it actually works. And Brother Branham said, a real minister can get himself out of the way and let God take the gift and use it. And I will tell you, friends, that is ministry. 
That is real ministry. Now when I come to give you what I've got, because I really don't have a lot, and in terms of finding solutions to problems and sorting out difficulties and giving you the answers you came with this morning, if I could do it, I would. If I knew, I would do it. But there's many things about all of you that I do not know. And there's things that some of you are seeking that I don't know. And there are questions that you have and needs within your body that I cannot meet. But I know this, that somehow or another God can take a gift and anoint that gift and he can bring to you the things that you have need of. And it's not Brother Barry then, it is just God anointing that gift to minister to you and that's the way it should be. This is not, this is not about entertainment. This is not about personality. This is not about, uh, you know, having ministered for 40 years or so, and now you learn the ropes. Hey, listen, I still study and pray as much or more as I ever have before I come out here, because I realize today is not the same as yesterday, and the problems we face today are not like we had before, and the things that we're all facing are not what we endured before. Every day is fresh. For the people of God. And we depend upon His mercies every day. I depend upon God now as much or more than I ever have to come out and minister the Word of God. Because you know what? Uh, to me, my job is not done as long as you're sitting in those old carcasses right there in the pew. My job will end when your body is changed and you're on the other side. We all go through the gate. That's when my job will end. And until then, I want to be anointed of God so that God can use the gift He's placed in me for you. And that's what God did with Jesus. The, the Spirit of God came upon him to fulfill what God had placed in him. And Jesus describes in 18 and 19 what God had anointed him for. And then he closed the book, handed it back to the minister, and sat down, and all the eyes were upon him. And he simply said, this day the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I remember years ago when I had, uh, when I first came in the message, and you remember my story I told on my birthday here uh, last May, when we had the van out there? Remember, remember the van? How many of you are glad you got a ride in that van? Oh, yeah, that was a great day, right? Now, let me tell you something. The woman who rented us that van recently was just killed in a car wreck. She owned this van here in town somewhere, and she was driving her Porsche, and was, I saw a picture of the car. Brother Danny sent me a car. She was killed instantly in this horrible car accident. And Brother Danny said that they, the, the van may actually come up for sale. And I thought, well, it would be a nice memorial to have, you know, the van. I was sad about the, the woman there who passed away. But <clears throat> you remember I told a story of how that I took that van and went to the uh, TV station. They gave us free slots on TV. Some of, you, some of you visitors are looking at me like, yeah, right, TV. And so I had this free chance to go on TV and witness the message to our community on a, on a community channel, a public channel. And so I'm on my way up to the, to the uh, uh, TV station, dressed, I got my suit on and all the way, and the van catches on fire and it burned on the side of the road and died a, uh, an untimely death. And so I got, just got out of the van, took my bag and went in the studio. And uh, when I did... Uh, got in there, and I, I was, uh, we were mixing some tapes. We were mixing some sections of Brother Branham's tape so we could play a little bit of it on the broadcast. And we were making that together. And I brought in the sermon in 1965 in, in Jeffersonville called This Day the Scriptures Fulfilled. Sister Becky was actually in that meeting. And uh, this one, Mr. Mitchell, was, was healed of cancer back then. And uh, her parents were there and so forth. And... When I took that 
when I took that tape, it was a room full of uh, unbelievers who were there. A couple of them I knew, but most of them, they were technicians that I didn't know. And I, I, I put on this particular tape, and I said, I'm looking for a section over here when Brother Branham calls out Charlie Mitchell, and he says, you, sir, he says, you've been a miner. You're from Virginia. You're up for an operation. And, and if you go back and listen to that, it's the second uh, testimony in the, in the sermon. And Brother Branham makes that pronouncement. He, remember now, he's standing this way looking at a, a divider. There's an audience here and an audience here. The auditorium is here and the gymnasium's here. And Brother Branham's standing like this. And he just goes like this, and he says, you, sir, you've been a miner. You're for, from Virginia, and you're up for an operation. And they said that when Brother Brandon did that, he said it just locked the audience, just this, uh, just this presence that was there. And when I played that in that room with a bunch of technicians and uh, unbelievers who were there, I said, yes, this is the part. And I played that press, I, I, I put it on the tape, and it just began to play. And Brother Brandon's voice came on and said, you, sir, he said, you're from Virginia. Let me tell you, everyone in that room just locked up. The presence of God was so real. Just listening to his voice. I only played maybe two minutes of that tape and just had everybody stop. And it was, you, you, the whole atmosphere in the room just changed. It was like it was charged. And they all just stood at attention. They listened, but they're very reverently. Nobody said a word. Nobody said anything. And it was just like this presence had moved in because uh, of the words that were being said and that anointing that was there. That's 2,000 years later than when this scripture happened. And Jesus gave the book to the rabbi, sat down, and he said, This day the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God being made known, being fulfilled right in your presence right now. And, and this, is what, this is what happened in Luke chapter 4. And it was because Jesus was anointed and acknowledged the fact that I'm here. I am anointed to do this. This is my purpose. And without that anointing, it's just him knowing something. But with that anointing, he's empowered now to do it. Follow me now as we look at this, because this is really amazing. Brother Bram said the anointing is a person. You've got to think differently now than how. That's why Brother Bram says a lot of times we misunderstand this. But the anointing is a person. The word Christ means the anointed one. Then Moses was Christ in his day. He was the anointed one. Jeremiah was Christ in his day with a portion of the word for their day. And they were anointed to do something. Moses was anointed to take the children of Israel out uh, into the promised land. But when Jesus came, he came as redeemer, anointed one, and that was both Moses and all that Moses was. All that God had bodily was in Christ during that time. Think about anointing now from this point forward as a person, not as a thing. That's why in the Old Testament they had this attitude about the anointing. They said, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sake, saying, touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. If a man is genuinely anointed of God to do something uh, that God has determined, let me tell you, you can get in trouble real fast with God when you lay your hand on that person or speak evil of that person because they're anointed by God to do it. Now, let me tell you something I never told you before. Before I came here and took this church as a pastor, uh, I was working in my father-in-law's church up there. 
And uh, I, I'm not saying this in a negative way or anything at all, but uh, there were people there who were younger people. And uh, back then I was younger. And uh, they they uh, were really friendly with me. They loved my, my approach to ministry and everything else. And they came to me during that time. And without uh, my father-in-law knowing, he was the pastor. And without him knowing, they came to me and handed me envelopes regularly. Handed me envelopes saying, this is our tithe. We want you to be our pastor. We want you to be the pastor, so take our tithing. And I looked at those people. I was shocked when it first happened. And I looked at them. And this is the scripture that came to mind. Because I can get in real trouble with God by undermining the authority of that pastor by now people having two pastors in the same church. And I made a decision. I said, I've either got to uh, pull in to this church and, you know, make, make this known that uh, I'm the assistant here and don't treat me like your pastor, or, or I need to pull away. Because if I stay and people have a divided feeling in the church, it's only going to cause a, a division in the church. And you know what? I'd be affecting the anointed of God. It's not, it's not my choice. Neither is it your choice. When God anoints somebody for an office... We had to be very careful how we deal with that person because you can get in trouble real fast with God when that happens. And he says, sing unto the Lord all the earth and show forth uh, from day to day his salvation and so forth. Uh, This is one of the things that David learned all those years because uh, you say, well, Brother Barry, you know, if, uh, if a minister is not a great guy, hey, listen, take it up with King Saul. Because David was anointed to be the next king of Israel, and Saul was not the best king. But David still had no jurisdiction to try to get Saul out of office until God removed him. Then he was free to take that office. You remember David smote the corner of his garment? Remember that? And cut off the corner with his, with his sword? How many remember the story in the cave, right? And David takes the, sword, the, 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 the outer garment, uh, it's called a pharon, and he took that garment of, fer, of uh, Saul and just cut the corner off. And he said later it smote him in his heart because it represented something that he could have done to Saul and so forth. And my, he said, listen, the thing that, that David learned over all of those years that Solomon never learned, but that David learned over all of those years with the Philistines and outside of Israel and all the other things that David learned while he was waiting to be king because uh, Samuel told him he was going to be king. The thing that David learned was this verse right here, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. So David could not make the throne happen. He had to let God make the throne happen because God had placed Saul there, and if you're reading your Bible, God anointed Saul to be in that office, and David could not remove him because he was an an anointed man of God. Are we okay? I'm not trying to keep my job. Don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to keep my job. You had to be very careful how you treat somebody who's anointed. Now, follow me now. 2 Samuel chapter 1. Saul and Jonathan go down in battle, right? Everybody know the story? And when this Israelite comes upon Saul, who's nigh unto death, he's he's almost dead, but he's not dead, but he's almost dead. The Israelite looks at him and says, well, out of mercy, I'll just finish him off. And he won't have to suffer, and he goes on comes back to the camp 
and tells David, hey, I took care of Saul. He was dying anyway. He wasn't going to make it. Uh, We had no medics. So you know what? I finished him off. Watch what happens. David took hold on his clothes and rent them. And likewise, all the men that were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, and for the people of the Lord, and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he said, I'm a, I'm a son of a stranger, an Amalekite. And David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Where in the world did you get the idea that this is okay to do? And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall on him. And he smote him that he died. And David said unto him, The blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth has testified against thee. I have slain the Lord's anointed. Hmm, that's a good response in this case. Now, let's turn this around just for a moment here. You remember when David figures out the only way I'm going to escape judgment is to kill Uriah because Uriah is the husband of Bathsheba. Remember that? And David orders a man to kill Uriah. How does God react to that? Because in this case, God does nothing. God does not judge David at all because he ordered the death of this guy who killed King Saul. But when David orders the death of Uriah, God comes down and says, hey, that baby's going to die. Remember that? You be careful what you do with the Lord's anointed. Because the anointing matters to God. And the anointing is a person. Say it with me. The anointing is a person. And that's why in the Old Testament they had a very... You remember, you remember when, uh, you know, the, in, the, in the scripture when somebody smote the cheek of the high priest? And, and uh, Paul says, hey, I, sorry, I didn't know you were the high priest. Because you know what? That person's anointed in that office. They may not even be doing a good job. You may not agree. But you know what? If God's got them there, you be careful what you do. You be careful how you respond. I'm not trying to protect my own job. Now watch this. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Brother Bram's out there, and he says, a Baptist minister had been called out in the meeting a little while ago and began to tell him about his life. In the prayer line, uh, Brother Bram's describing this, this Baptist minister and what's going on with him. And he says, one of the local sponsoring pastors called this man up and asked him after the fact, was that true? Was that so? Did you ever know Brother Branham? Like, did, did Brother Branham know about you before we got in this meeting here? He wants to know. He wants to know, is Brother Bram's gift legitimate? And not knowing, Brother Branham says, not knowing that I'd know all about it in my hotel room. Stop for a minute. So before that meeting, when this Baptist minister is called out, God reveals to Brother Branham all about this Baptist minister. So he just never met this guy, but Brother Branham is shown all these things that he's going to say on the platform about this Baptist minister and uh, some more besides. And so when he gets on the platform, sees this Baptist minister, he says, okay, you're so-and-so, you've got this and this and this. And Brother Bam says, so this, this other minister wants to know, is that really true? Did that really happen? And after the Lord had revealed to me what he had done, then I looked as one of the men had went down and said, 
Now, Brother Branham, when he's under the anointing as a servant of the Lord, but his theology is not good. He's a prophet when the anointing's on him. Now, what this, what this fellow didn't know is that this also had been shown to Brother Branham in his hotel room. So he knew about the Baptist minister, and he knew that this was going to be said about him, that Brother Branham's a real a prophet when that anointing's on him. In other words, when the gifts are operating, when the discernment's on him, when the healing occurs, and when uh, you know the mass healings take place, man, that man's a prophet. But the moment he opens his mouth about the Bible, you disregard him. He's not a prophet then. That couldn't be the anointing of the Lord. Brother Branham's, and Brother Branham mentions this incident many, many times. And he says, a man that would make a statement like that don't even know what the word prophet means. A prophet means a divine revealer of the word, and these signs are a vindication that what is the truth. So he can't be a half a prophet, right? He can't be sort of a prophet. He can't be a prophet in the, in the discernment and the gifts and not a prophet uh, the rest of the day. I mean, that's really, that's the spirit of stupid, right? And, 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 you know, this fellow is trying to make that because he doesn't believe the doctrine that Brother Branham's uh, actually advocating. But the signs are there to let everybody know that the truth he's teaching is indeed true. So the signs are simply uh, the vindication. And remember what vindication is, is God removing all doubt that what you're actually hearing is true. Right? It's from God. And so, here's, here's Brother Branham with this. And now, when he opens his mouth to teach the Word of God, there's a lot of people believe that Brother Branham was a great man of God, had great signs and wonders. He did the prophetic and all of that, but went off in the end. I say this, yeah, he went off. He went off, he went off in a direction that God led him in the opening of the Word. And to me, I haven't found fault with it yet. I just haven't. So remember this. The church cannot run without the power of God. Do you believe that? That's not a whole sentence, though. This is a trick. This is a trap I'm laying for you. Not a trap, but this is an incomplete sentence. The church cannot run without the power of God. Think about what you would put in here to finish the sentence. The church cannot run without the power of God through the word. The church cannot run without a message. The church cannot run into the rapture without the power of God through the word. Are we okay? The church will never make it to the marriage supper without the power of God through the word. And the Holy Ghost will only confirm the word of God for that's what it's to do. That's what it's to do. The anointing is to confirm the word. Jesus was the anointed one, the word made flesh. And that's the reason he walked out under the water. It was the word coming to the prophet, John the Baptist case. And the prophet then raised up and said, I must decrease and he must increase. He said, that's God's way of doing it. So in other words, when it comes to the power of God, the greatest, I would just say this, this is me, the greatest manifestation of the power of God is when the Holy Spirit actually takes the word and causes to come to pass the thing that God spoke that word for. Let me say it again. The greatest thing, the greatest example or display of the power of God is not so much in the lightning and the wind and the big noise. We have that. And you know what? There's not a thing in the world wrong with that. But when the power of God anoints the word of God in you 
to bring to pass what God intended that word to do, to me, that's a great example of the power of God. Oh, come on, folks. You're looking at me funny here. Here's Malachi. He says, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet, and he shall come before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Remember? Remember that? That, that same person also is the person of Revelation 10.7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished, as he has declared unto his servants the prophets. Right? Everybody with me? Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. To me, the great example of the power of God in this last day is that God could anoint a person to fulfill exactly what that scripture said. But Ron, to take the to take the heart of a man with the spirit of Elijah and anoint that to turn your heart back to the faith of the fathers. You know what that is? That's not you figuring it out. That's not you coming to a realization. That's the power of God that's actually able to turn a man's heart back to the faith of the fathers. Wow. That's an amazing thing. The church cannot run without that. Let me say this. The church cannot run without that. Because if the church doesn't have that, the church is just running. We all know what happens when the church just gets running. They don't have a message and they don't know where they're going. They're just following somebody and following this pattern and following this trend. Going off in all kinds of wacky directions and accomplishing very little for the kingdom. To me, I want to come under, to me in this church, I want us to experience the power of God that brings to pass what God wants to bring out of you and me. If we're called to be the bride, if we're ordained, if we're predestinated to be the bride of Christ, Lord, let the power come. Let the anointing fall on this church to bring out of me what I'm called to be in this last day. That's a member of the bride. I don't want to be just a good guy. I don't want to be just a good uh, tennis player. I don't want to be good, just a good worker. I, I don't want to be just that. I want to be, I want to be a member of the bride of Christ. And I want the whole world to know that I'm a member of the bride of Christ. <coughs> I don't want to be just a, a book publisher. I don't want to be just a surgeon. I don't want to be just a, a truck driver or something else. I want, I want to be anointed. I want to have the power of God strike me in such a way that it isn't me anymore, but Christ that lives in me, Christ that expresses his purpose through me. Otherwise, I'm just running. Otherwise, I'm just existing here as a church member. And I'm not really accomplishing what God's purpose is. Christ is the anointing, and that Spirit comes upon what? The Word. The Spirit comes upon the Word that quickens the Word to make it live. You see what he said? I'm just being repetitive. New quote, but I'm just being repetitive. Now you say, well, how about Hebrews chapter 6? Well, that's true. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. So let's just say that God's got one member of the bride in this assembly this morning. It doesn't matter to God because he'll allow the Spirit of God to fall out on everybody to get that one person. Because he wants that one person to live. Live, not just biologically live. He wants that one person to actually manifest the Spirit of Christ in his or her life. And you know what? The rest of you are all benefactors of that outpouring. You can be healed. You can be blessed. You can be delivered of smoking. You can go through all kinds of things while you're in that presence and while you're, uh, you know, drawing, while you're touching the hem of that garment that passes by. Am I making sense this morning? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. 
But the anointing is here to make that word live in you. Oh, Lord, may we conduct our services in such a way that the Holy Spirit is always welcome. May we conduct our services in such a way that the Holy Spirit can anoint me and anoint you because the anointing just doesn't stay here. The anointing also goes in the audience. Do you know that? The anointing also finds its way into the audience and that's exactly what it should, that's exactly what should happen. And as a matter of fact, here's where Brother Branham says it. He says, he'll, if he'll tell me what's in your heart, what you're here for, something I, don't, I know nothing about, will you believe it's the Son of God? He said, something's got to happen. He said, you and the audience believe the anointing is on the audience. The anointing now is on the audience. In other words, Brother Branham's watching this thing because the anointing is not a feeling. The anointing is Christ. So he's sensitive in that realm to be watching. And he says the anointing is in the audience. That man standing here with the back trouble, he said, if you believe it, you can have it. So the anointing is not just here. The anointing is here. Are we okay with that? The anointing is not just for me. The anointing is not just for you to watch a preacher who can talk so loud he can spit five rows down. Let me tell you, there's more to it than that. To me, the anointing is for everybody, not just Brother Brandon, but for everybody. And he says, hey, the anointing has moved. It's in the audience here. He said, that man standing there, this woman standing here. And he said, you're short like Zacchaeus. He said, but he knew you were there. He says, you're healed. Don't limit the anointing. Whatever you do, don't limit the anointing because you're actually limiting Christ. We'll start the prayer line, Brother Bram said in the Queen of the South. Quiet, be reverent. He said, now, while especially the anointing's going on, he said, then if someone is made well or something happened, of course you rejoice. I believe in shouting. I believe in praising the Lord. And all that goes with the gospel. Somebody say amen besides Sister Laura. I believe in a full Pentecostal square meal. I believe in all of it. But you see, we had to approach God quietly, sanely, and reverently. And then when we get what we ask for, and turn and thank Him for that. He says, everybody understand? How many of you have a a need in your life that you know a doctor couldn't heal? Let's see your hands. You got a, you got a question, you got a problem, you got a, a, some, maybe a complex or maybe a condition or something that you know a doctor couldn't heal. It's going to take God to heal. It's going to take God to do that. All right? Oh, come on. All you halo polishers. So what if God did something this morning and swept through this audience and took care of every problem that every one of you had and raised your hands for? We just walk out and say, hey, where are you going to eat? They got a special over at the wild, wacky walk. So why don't we go there? Oh, you'd want to be saying, oh, Brother Barry, sing another one, sing another one. Oh, glory to God. What a day. What a day to be in his presence. You know, we wouldn't want to leave that, right? We'd want to hang on to that. We'd want to hold on. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for, for doing what nobody else can do, what, what doctors and medicine can't do. Oh, we thank you for it. I don't know about you, but I would. I would. Brother Graham said, I believe in all of it. He says, when you, when, you, when you receive that thing that you ask for God, he says, sure, we're going to rejoice. Remember this story? When Jesus went into a village and there were ten lepers there, right? And he spoke the word. Nine of them were healed. Uh, they were all healed. All of them were healed. And they turned and left. And one of them came back. 
and thank God for it. Jesus said, hey, where are your buddies? Where are the rest of them? Oh, they're all gone off rejoicing and thanking God. Hey, Jesus said, hey. <clears throat> he, said, You're, he said, you've done well. He said, your faith has healed you. Go on your way. All of them were healed. But one of them came back and thanked Jesus for what was done. I'd like to be to consider that one that thanked God and thanked him vocally and thanked him out loud and told other people and say, do you want to know what God did for me? Do you want to know? Sister Frieda was sending out a report this week to her family and uh, I got in on that little loop there just thanking God for what the doctor said was the best report that they were expecting there and uh, thanking God for what was done with Brother Joe. Hey, listen, uh, these days there are not many good reports when it comes to that whole uh, problem. And here's uh, Sister Frieda. First thing, I want to tell people, I want to let people know that it's not this is not just some uh, some uh, fluke here, but we give God the glory for this. We give God the honor for this. And that's the right thing for us to do. And whether we do it in church or whether we do it at home, it doesn't matter. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to, to receive honor and glory. He's worthy of all of that because He has anointed us to do a certain thing. And He's anointed somebody maybe to pray for you. He's anointed somebody to preach a certain sermon that speaks to your heart. Oh, I'll tell you what, saints of God, touch my, not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Because if you understand what's going on, that's God's way of reaching you. It's God's way of touching you. He uses that word, he uses that ministry, he uses that gift to get a hold of something in your life and be, be able to change it where no one else actually can change it. It's an absolutely wonderful thing. And I'll tell you what, <clears throat> Brother Bram said, like, I, I believe in all of it. He said, I believe in, 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 you know, in the rejoicing. I believe in coming to God respectfully and coming to God not like he said, brother, they were in Billy Graham's meeting and came up chewing gum and uh, texting on their way and all the rest of it. He said, you come to God in a certain way with a certain respect and you're pre- presenting your petition before God. And he says, you know what, <clears throat> God will honor that. Take your Bible, go to Acts chapter 4, if you will. Acts chapter 4. I'm going to close with this. Musicians, be on the ready. Don't be on your feet, but be on the ready. Acts chapter 4. This is the scene after the disciples are pulled into custody by the authorities and the religious authorities, who actually are the authorities. And uh, the man at the gate beautiful is healed. Now you talk about the anointing in the audience now. All right, so I want you to hold on to this and we're going to close. In Psalm 21, David wrote this. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Why, why, do they go, why do the people of the world go on? The kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers take counsel. This is uh, the book of Psalms. Okay, hold your Bible there. This is the book of Psalms, chapter 21. The kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Let's, let's destroy these people here. And, and he's talking about God and the anointed of God. And he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak of them of his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I, sing my, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill. I've gone and done it anyway. I really don't care what they say. I really don't care what they say. I really don't care what criticisms they make. And I don't care how many armies they pile against my people. My people will prevail because it's not them. It's what they're anointed to be. They're anointed to be my people. And he said, I will fight for them. And I'll stand for them. And God just laughs. And he says, hey, uh, go ahead and try it, you bunch of morons. I'll blow you right out of the water. That's my version of it. Sorry. I don't have any grandchildren here today. They, they get on me and say, Pappy, Papa, you shouldn't have said that. 
All right, so here now, the children of listen now. Peter and the rest of his, some of the disciples are pulled into jail. They're pulled into custody in small claims court here because, you know, who are you to be doing this? This is the works of Jesus. And who are you to be doing this? And the story is told, and you know how this happens. Verse 1, and as they spoke unto the people and the priests and the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, and being grieved, they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold in prison because their focus is, is on God's word and the works of God and put them in hold until the next day. How many, howbeit many of them which heard the word believed and there was a number of people who were added. 5,000 people were, were actually added to the kingdom that day. And verse 5 came to pass as they were, uh, you know, in front of the Sanhedrin there. Uh, they're commanded to give an answer. Verse 7, by what power, by what name have you done this? And Peter filled with the Holy Ghost and said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this important man, by what means we, he be made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom he crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you. You hold. This is not us. As we all saw this man every day at the temple, we all knew who this man was and his condition there, and we could not do it. But by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we did what we did. And so in verse 15, he says, But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves and saying, What should we do to these men? My goodness, how do we put this fire out? For that indeed a noble miracle has been done by them as manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. In other words, I mean, the guy's walking. He ruins the whole story for us, right? But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly uh, threaten them that they speak henceforth no man in this name. Yeah, right. As if that's going to make a difference, right, to the early church. And they called him and they commanded him not to speak at all and teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot speak but the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, we have an anointing with us. We're empowered. You know what? To tell the world that Jesus Christ is alive. And it's not just a theory, but he's here with us. Because it's not by us. It's through his, his anointing. We cannot speak the things which we have, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. 21. And when they further threaten them, they let them go. Now, verse 23. So after they're out of the Sanhedrin, right? They're out and they're all standing there. They just said, hey, let's just, let's just get everybody together. We want to tell them what happened. So they all get it together. It's like the second upper room. It's upper room part two. All right. So they all get there, and it says 23. Here's where you all need to read now. Read with me. And being let go, they went to their own company, and they reported all the chief priests and elders had said. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voice to God, and with one accord they said, this is what they prayed, this is what they said, watch now, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth, and the sea, and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David, Psalm 21, verse 1 to 6, Why did a heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered against the Lord and his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles, the people of Israel, were gathered together. Hey, folks, that's everybody. (laughs) Right? Everybody's gathered against this. 
For to do whatsoever thy hand, thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. And by stretching forth thine hand to heal. And that signs and wonders be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. They're just quoting scripture. They're actually just praying the scripture. Not a bad thing to pray. They're just actually mouthing the words of David. You know why? Because this day, this scripture is fulfilled right in their midst. Why did the Hegem rage? Why did they try to stop this? It's like trying to put a house that's on fire out on a windy day. Ain't no way they're going to do it. I mean, how silly really is this for them to stop a move of God in its unfolding here? And you know what? They're quoting that back to God in their prayer. They're all saying the same thing back to God. Now, that's nice. But what's really interesting is God's reaction to that, right? That's what's important. How did God react to this whole thing? 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And then it says, after that, and the multitude of them that believed were one heart and one soul, neither of them uh, said that aw, not, and neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave he to the apostles witness of the resurrection and so forth. So in other words, when God heard this, look, look here, and uh, musicians, you be on the ready now, don't be on your feet. And, and, when, and when God hears this, I mean, here they are in the, in this room, and they're all saying the same, why did a heathen rage? And Lord, you're the God of heaven and earth, you're the one who controls all this. And look, they're all against you, as if you didn't know, Herod and the people, and the religious people, and the government, and the authorities are all against you there. But Lord, you're gonna have your way anyway, and we're just delighted to be anointed to play our part, and oh, we just wanna give thanks to God, and uh, what a, what a great day this is. What a wonderful day to be alive, and this day the scripture is fulfilled. And they got a revelation that this is, this is the anointing now, not on Jesus, but the anointing moves to the audience. This is the anointing moving to them that have the Spirit of Christ in them. And so this miracle is not Peter. This miracle is Christ in Peter who speaks to that man. And that man gets up and walks. Well, the Bible says there, I just read, that when, when they prayed this, what happened? The whole place was shaken. <laughs> so God, I don't know whether God sits or stands. But I imagine that when he heard that and saw that, he must have he must have jumped up out of his seat and kicked his footstool and said, Glory to God! They got it. They got it. They got it. They 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 got it. They got the revelation. And they're they're doing it. They're actually doing it. Hey, everybody, do you see this from heaven? Look over the banner and look at what's happening down here. Not only is the man healed, but these guys are testifying of what David promised would happen back here. They're anointed for service. And you know what? They're actually doing it. And they got it in the scripture. They got it and they're professing it. And they're praying it back to me here in heaven here. And God must have got so excited. He must have said, I'm glad they're one of them. They're one of them. And he got so excited that the whole place where he was shook. (laughs) It doesn't say there was an earthquake. It doesn't say that there was a tremor. It just says that the place shook. And I believe it must have been God saying, glory to God. Yeah, they got it. Let's stand to our feet. Because they were anointed for service. They were anointed to do something. And they did it. And they didn't take credit for it. They realized, hey, why did a heathen rage? Why do people want to say things against this? Why do they try to stop it? Don't they realize it's God? Don't they realize this is actually God doing this and, and uh, you know, uh, making a way for this to happen? This is, not, this is not way back here, and this is not just the prophets, and this is not Jesus, but this is Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
Listen, when the, when the anointing moves to the audience, that, that ought to make your day. That ought to make your day. We ought to sing every praise as to our God. Because you know why? He deserves all praise and honor. And at the end of the day, it's not us that can take credit for anything. I mean, you never came up with this message. You never came up with Malachi 4. You never came up with the understanding you have. All of it's been given to you by God. It's been revealed to you by God. The substance that you have, the knowledge that you possess, the insight that you, that you have is not because you're smarter than somebody else. The, the, the awareness of what's going on in the world and the awareness of all that's taking place in, our, in, in this time that we're living in is not because you read the right magazines or you tuned in the right website. It's because God has revealed to you things about the day you're living in. And he's anointed you as the bride of Jesus Christ to not go that way and not go this way and not follow that way, but to follow him. He were anointed to follow him. We're anointed to let him lead and be the leader in our time. He's the great Joshua of our time. And to lead us right into the wedding supper, right into the millennium. We're anointed to serve. We're anointed to know. We're anointed to see. We're anointed to, uh, to worship God. All of that, let me tell you, friends, is because of his presence. Because the anointing is not a thing. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a sweat. It's a person. Say it with me. The anointing is a person. That person is Christ. Let's sing it. Sing it together now. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship. Oh, every praise. Every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah. Every praise, every praise. Jaron, would you come up here? Sing it now. God, my Savior. God, my Jesus. Is God my Savior? Yes. God, my healer, God, my deliverer, yes, he is, yes, he is. Every praise is to our God, every word of worship, one of praise. every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise is to our God. Our God, God my Savior, God my Savior, God my healer, God my deliverer, yes he is, yes he is, say now, God my Savior, God my healer, God my Our God, sing hallelujah now. Sing hallelujah. 
He's all of those things to us and more besides. Oh, I'll tell you what. What, a, what an understanding we have. And we have that because God's opened our eyes. He's anointed us with eyes that we can see. That's what he said in Laodicea. You need to be doing. You need to be praying that God would anoint your eyes with eyes have. So you can really see what's going on. You really see who's who. You really see who your family is. Right? These are the days of Elijah. Bearing the word of the Lord. These are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine, darkness, and sorrow, ye are the voice. Crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Oh, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet's call. Oh, lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee, and out of Zion to salvation comes. Of Ezekiel, oh, the troubles becoming as flesh. These are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of grace. And these are the days of the harvest, oh, the fields are as wide as the world. Are those laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord? Behold, He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. Oh, at the trumpet's call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion to salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Holy Ghost, riding on the clouds. 
shining like the sun Had the trumpets call It's the year of Jubilee Now the Zion's here Salvation comes There's no God like Jehovah God like Jehovah, and there's no God like Jehovah, and there's no God like Jehovah, and there's no God like Jehovah, 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 come on, oh, yeah, shining like the sun, had the trumpets cold. Church is the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Oh, behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet's call. Lift your voice, yes, and out of Zion's hill, salvation. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Trumpets call, come on and lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee. Out of Zion's salvation comes. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we praise you, we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. I know some people who are listening to us here today that would love to be here. But you know what? Life comes at us sometimes hard. Sometimes there's hiccups in life, right? Do you mind if I tell a story? Wednesday night, I was talking about how that everybody doesn't read their Bible as much anymore and don't, you know, listen to the message. And, and uh, I said, as a result of that, that's why we have so many hiccups in life, you know, upsets, things that go wrong. Well, we had one young sister who was listening to that on tape. Uh, she was listening to the streaming and... Uh, at home and she heard me say that then all of a sudden she got the hiccups she literally got the hiccups and she figured it's because I'm not reading my Bible enough so she got out her Bible and started reading her Bible and sure enough the hiccups went away didn't they the hiccups went away (laughs) who knew he was right brother Barry was right (laughs) life comes our way life's difficult sometimes right things happen but I'll tell you what, we serve a God who's able to span time. He's able to heal at a distance. Brother Billy's able to touch your, your wife and her dog. and He's able to minister to needs. And You have somebody on your heart, just hold it there. Hold it there and believe that God is able to span distance and time. Sing it with me now before we pray. My, My Jesus. My Savior, Lord, Lord, there is none like you all of my days. 
glory this morning. Give him honor and praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. How we thank you, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Glory to his wonderful name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Nothing compares. Nothing, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your wonderful name. Just lift your hands. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, Jesus. We worship you right now, Lord. Every chain, break every chain, break every chain. 
chain. Say it again now like you believe it. To break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. I want to hear you say it now. To break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. All right, in this moment here, that's every head bowed. If you have a chain that needs to be broken, if you have something that's got a hold of your life, you got something you know that can't be healed or broken or taken away from you, maybe with a prescription or a doctor's remedy. you got something in your life you'd like to see God set you free from. Remember, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Every eye closed, put your camera on me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence, Lord, in this August presence today. Lord, in this special place that, Lord, you have visited today. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we bind every devil, every demon that would hold your people. And Lord, may you set them free in the name of Jesus Christ. And may nothing hold them back, Lord. May that power, may that complex, may that darkness, Lord, may it be dispersed and they might be able to walk free. And Lord, enjoy the newness of life. And Lord, to be able to walk with joy in their step. Father, we just curse those things, Lord, that would come. And in whatever way he can, the devil would like to make life miserable for the people of God. But Lord, we know that you are here to set us free. We know, Lord, you're here to deliver us. And we know that you are here, Lord, even to release us from these human bodies that we have, Lord. I pray, Father God, you would search deep in our hearts and the things, Lord, that we have need of to lay at your feet. I pray that we would let them go in the name of Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, you would move among us in a special way. Lord, there are some that are listening today. We think of Lucas and Haley and Peter and Rachel and so many others, Lord, that are sick today and needing your touch, Lord, and not able to come and be among us. And Father, we bind our hearts together and our faith together now. And we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bring healing to their bodies. And Lord, bring strength and restore them, I pray, back to the place of God. And Lord, may you just draw near to them even as we speak. And Lord, there are many names and many concerns. Lord, we think of Sister Solace, Lord, in Washington. And we think of Brother Burley in South Carolina, Lord. And just so many others, oh God. We just pray for their healing and we pray for their deliverance. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. How we love you. How we thank you, Lord. How we worship you in spirit and in truth. How, Lord, we enjoy the anointing and the presence of Almighty God. Lord, may you just come now and just speak to us. Do a work in our hearts. Do a work in our assembly. Do a work, Lord, in those families that are not here that are a part of us, Lord. And may you just have full sway, we pray. And we'll give you all the glory and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And for your glory, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing there's an army rising up. And if you're in school, I want you to come on up here this morning. If you're in beginning school all the way to high school, I want you to come on up here this morning. Make your way up here. Homeschool, public school, Christian school, whatever. Come on up here. There's an army rising up. Come on up. It's safe. It's safe. There's an army. Come on in. Come on in. There's an army rising up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. It's safe. It's safe. It's safe. Break every chain. Break every 
If you are in school above high school, come on up here. All of you that are in post-secondary education, come on up here as well, school. If you're a teacher, if you're involved in school at all, educating or an educator, come on up here. Wonderful. Wonderful. Homeschool moms, teachers, teachers' aides. We've got all kinds of people who work in that setting. <clears throat> Let me tell you, we need to pray for our kids in school. We need to pray God's protection upon them and that God would come on up, come on up a little bit further. Spread out, spread out there a little bit. It's safe, it's safe, it's safe. Come on up. Come on up, guys. Come on up here. It's safe. Good things happen when you come up here. Come on. Push up. Keep going. Lydia, come on. Lead the way. Come on up here. <clears throat> not only, not only are they protected wherever they go, but we just pray that God would begin to put in their hearts, especially our older ones here, direction and wisdom and guidance and leadership so that they would know what to do when they uh, leave school and what they uh, should be focusing on. We pray that God would give our parents wisdom and guidance too in knowing how to uh, not only prepare their kids for education, but uh, also teaching them as well. And that's an important thing. Would you join me in prayer, all of you that are out here? Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence today, it's always, Lord, a privilege to be able to pray for our young people. And, Lord, those that are going to school and they're in environments, Lord, that always are not the best. But, Lord, you know how to protect them. And, Lord, may their angels accompany them wherever they go. And, Lord, in maybe in the homes or Christian schools or public schools, no matter where it is, Lord, I just pray that you would anoint these parents. That, Lord, they might have, Lord, wisdom, and they might have sensitivity, Lord, as the things that go on in their children's lives. And I ask, oh God, that you would empower them because they're parents, and you gave these children to them. And, Lord, bless their families, I pray. We live in a world, Lord, that's not always so nice and so safe anymore, but, Lord, in you we trust and Lord, under the shelter of your wing is our safe place. And so we commit these young people and their families now into your care. Thanking you, Lord Jesus. I pray you'd bless them richly throughout the whole year. We ask these things in Jesus' lovely name and for your glory. Amen. And all the young people said, God bless you as you go back to your seat. Sing it now with me as you go back. Are the generations We're the culmination The final voice The world will Every tongue and nation We are the chosen generation Father, we thank you for this time this morning in your presence And Lord, we just really don't want to leave But Lord, we'll come back in a little while And we pray your presence will meet us again this afternoon For service at four we love you, Lord, so much. We thank you for your word and your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the times when you come close because they're special. Lord, meet every need, I pray. Touch every heart. And touch those that are sick is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen. Sing it as you go. Come back at four. We'll see you then. We are the generation. Coming of the Lord is here, living out the revelation, overcoming sin's temptation. Truth will go to every tongue and nation. We are the chosen generation. We are the generation. Sing it as you go. We're the culmination. Final voice the world will hear. The coming of the Lord is near. Living out the revelation. Sin's temptation. The truth will go to every time.